You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you for another Third Watch recap. We are into the fourth episode of the fifth season. We're here for In Lieu of Johnson, first set on the 20th of October 2003, written by Charles Murray, directed by Charles Hayde, who, well, we're going to get to something about with him in this episode, because we know who that is, we know who he's going to be, but there's just some interesting things in this episode. We'll say this is the last episode that aired not on a Friday of Third Watch, so we're all still on Mondays, weren't we here, Darbell? Excuse me, I believe. Yes. So, um... Kind of a bit of a significant one here in the history of this show. Uh, but I'm going to start off by saying, my name is Ben, and Wakanda forever. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I am going to say, my name's Darvell, and you are one mental midget. Thank you. Nice thing you've ever said to me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if people understand why I said Wakanda forever, but we're going to get to this in just a few moments, because it's going to be happening very, very quickly in the beginning of this episode. But uh, we talked about this last week, Davel. I like this episode. I think it's a good episode. It's a very solid one. It's our first fire-centric episode since season two. We're calling that right now. Uh, Okides, uh, Barb, please correct us if we're wrong. We're, we're purely saying that, like, if you were to analyse an episode as to what is the star or who is the star of the episode... I would go out on a limb and say that this is a fire episode. You could maybe argue if you're saying it based on characters, Crash and Burn was sort of a Jimmy episode, but, you know, this is focused on the firefighting aspect many ways, you would say. So it's been a long time since we've had a real big fire storyline like this. Uh, and I like it. Usually we, I've always said that I was kind of always met on the fire episodes early on, but I think this rewatch has really, uh, given me a newfound appreciation for, uh, Jimmy and the firefighters. Yeah. And what's sad is that, and I said this on the last episode too, when we were ending that, uh, recording session is that this is going to be, I believe one of the last, what you would call fire centric episodes that we're going to get. Mm. Yeah, I believe we only get one more. Do we? Is that Jimmy's last this, episode? Or yes, one more that you could argue is definitely fire centric. Yeah, is that's true? And I think like because realistically, when Jimmy leaves, and we'll talk about this when Jimmy does leave, um, but the firefighters are really kind of just really relegated. Like, I mean, they've been relegated for some time, really, but we get, what, Stu Lottazies, and, you know, we kind of get a storyline here or there, but, yeah, like, it's 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 interesting. And I, I read uh, the interview I was reading with Ed Allen Bonero, I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, he mentions that, um, that like, going into season six, that the firefighters and, you know, I would never get rid of the firefighters and the paramedics. There's so much part of this show, you know, we're not turning this into a cop show. Yet we've heard from how many of the actors who have been in this show that they were kind of shafted because it was purely turning into a cop show and they wanted to focus that. And, like, in fairness, they never specifically get rid of the firefighters and the paramedics. Like, they never do. But... You know, you, you, if you're working out of a, a, an algorithm of percentages of who gets screen time and what, you know, profession gets more screen time, you'd probably go season one is maybe like a, a 40, 30, 30 spread with the cops slightly ahead. Uh, season two's maybe a, a 40, 40, 20 spread with the, you know, the paramedics down to 20%. Maybe season three's about a 40, 40, 20 spread. Season four is, you know, gonna be a, what, a 50, th- no, probably a 60, 30, 10 spread. Um, season five is probably like 7, 20, 10 spread. And then season six is probably like a 90, 80, 10, 10. Well, I'd probably go a 97, 3. <laughs> like, that's how I would go for season six. <clears throat> like, I mean, yeah. And go, go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, and that was, I think that was part of the appeal of the, of the show originally was that it was about all three branches of emergency services, you know, fit into one show. I think, I think that's why it appealed to even the small fan base that it had. And I mean, people do say, and I think we have pretty much, you know, agree with it, you know, hey, third watch was, third watch, it, it was great in its heyday until it became strictly just basically just another cop show. 
And, and this- maybe if they had been able to fight for and stick with that premise, mm. who knows? It might have. It might have. It might not. It might not have gone down so much. The thing. Another thing that really, and I, I really need to find this. Um, this article again that I was reading uh, to kind of quote it and sort of where it was from. But the, another really fascinating thing that Ed, Ed Allen Bonero said in this interview was that, you know, moving forward into like a couple after like the first couple of seasons, he said that we wanted to switch it to a character driven show. He said like early on, we were like ER on the street and it was all about the jobs. And then later on, we switched it to the characters. And I could not disagree with that anymore. I think it's the complete opposite. I think they focus so much on the characters early on and then they switch more to the jobs moving forward. So like, I, I feel that that is a kind of obvious shift because, you know, you think about season six when, you know, majority of the episodes are kind of revolving around Yokus as a detective solving crimes, it's always about the job rather than, and it's, it's kind of the, the personal side of things is kind of, you know, switched around. So it would be fascinating to get Ed Alan Bonero on this show to kind of really hear him talk about the, the way this show changed. So, um, Ed, if you're listening, by all means, the invitation is, is open. You, you ring me right now. I stop talking about this episode and we talk to you. Uh, considering this isn't live, or uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or guy or guy Norman B. I mean, guy Norman B. said to you that he would try and that he still has some contact with Ed Bonero. Mm. So, well, Ed's Ed, sure Ed is aware that- of our show. We know that he is aware that we exist. So um, there is that, Darvell. <laughs> so. Um, one day. I, look, I honestly think it can happen one day. Um, so just watch this space. We, we, we don't give up. We're like a dog with a bone on this show. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, we've got straight away, we've got sort of this opening sequence where we've got, uh, the firefighters are in a building. We've got Jimmy and some other crew, Walsh and DK. Uh, we've got a new guy in here who we don't know who he is yet. And basically it's all kind of, uh, working through a situation where Jimmy's got to go back and try and rescue someone. Um, and we all find out though that this is actually a, uh, a drill that, uh, this firefighter, this new firefighter called, uh, Wafer, David Wafer, has been told to stay back, um, so that Jimmy can be tested as a new lieutenant, um, and basically see what he will do in this situation. So we find out that this guy has been asked to hold back part of the drill. And we get this, uh, training bit where the, uh, trainers basically say, like, congratulations, the fire spread to the top floors. You just killed all your men. Um, so we then get to the credits. Uh, we walk through, uh, into the firehouse. Uh, everybody's going off at this new guy, basically saying, you never do things like that. You know, you don't listen to other people. Uh, you never make your squad look bad. Uh, Carlos is there sort of chiming in a little bit and they all bite <coughs> Carlos's head off. No one asked you, Nieto. Um, and then they're still going off with this guy basically saying, you didn't have to do such a good job of being believable that Jimmy had to go back and rescue, um, you. Um, we kind of get a bit here with Kim, um, going off at Carlos because, uh, Jimmy's basically struggling to become a boss. This is what all this whole episode is about. Carlos says that Kim's been pretending to be a boss all week. Um, and then I love, I love Carlos kind of like just whipped back into shape when he hasn't done what he's meant to do. Um, and yeah, then Jimmy obviously saying to Walsh and DK that he never asked for this job and Walsh sort of turns around and says, well, you never turned it down either. So, um, you know, a bit of sass. Good point, Billy. Yeah, true, true. But I kind of just gelled through everything here because again, a lot of the time, as much as we talk up the fire ones, we can always sort of go through them pretty quickly. But there is a very important person here that I am just gelling over here. Um, the fact that the guy who I've just talked about, this new guy, um, David Wafer. Now, anybody right now who has no idea about the history of what's happened with the world in terms of a certain movie called Black Panther, gone on to become like the third biggest movie in the history of movies at, at the time of recording this just got nominated for a best picture at the golden globes and very much is in the shot of being nominated for a best picture at the oscars <laughs> huge huge movie one of the biggest movies probably the biggest movie of 26 uh, 2018 alongside avengers affinity war and a certain actor in that movie called chadwick boseman who has gone on to become just a huge household name he sort of gradually was a bit of a bigger name before black pants but it's really set him into the stratosphere this person playing david wafer is none other than Chadwick Boseman in his very first appearance as an actor, uh, at least on TV. 
So I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I do remember no. when this kind of when he when Black Panther like hit the stratosphere earlier this year. Obviously, we realise this episode has been released in 2019, but we're recording this in 2018. Um, I had a couple of people, at least one person, sort of send me a link. Uh, it was like a magazine article about Chadwick Boseman. Like, who is Chadwick Boseman? What's happened with him? And it says in that his first appearance was Third Watch. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Chadwick Boseman wasn't in Third Watch. And then you looked and you saw that his screen appearance was in lieu of Johnson. And this is him. And literally he's in this for what? Like three minutes? And you don't see him again? But, uh, it is one of these cool things that we've talked about people like Viola Davis being in this show and, you know, J.K. Simmons and kind of all these people who, maybe weren't necessarily huge stars, but they would go on to win Oscars and kind of become big stars. Whereas this is kind of the very first appearance of someone who is going to go on to be a huge star. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to think that right now we've just seen the appearance of Black Panther on our screens. (laughs) Yes, and for it being his first acting job, or at least his first one on TV, I mean... It's a shame we didn't get to see him more because he was very believable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In the role of Wafer. Yeah, very much so. And, like, it just goes to show what a good actor he is. And I think kind of there's a bit of, like, he was in All My Children uh, in the same year. He had a recurring role on that show. So, um, I mean, technically maybe he appeared on that before Third Watch. But I, I do know that article that was sent to me which showed that his first appearance was Third Watch. So it's kind of good to see Third Watch get mentioned in an article when it comes to talking about, you know, big things like that. But he did actually go on to appear in ER. Uh, he played a guy called Derek Taylor in the episode Oh Brother in 2008. So another one of these weird moments that we know Third Watch and ER exist in the same universe, but clearly, you know, we can come up with little things like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I saw him in um, the movie 42 where he played Jackie Robinson. That was a good movie. Um, and obviously, yeah, since he's become Black Panther, he's just really gone on to bigger and better things. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Chadwick Boseman in Third Watch, right? Here we go. So... When you're watching Black Panther, Future remember Black where he started. Panther star. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I mean, that's kind of, is going to be the theme of this episode, isn't it? Kind of like bosses and kind of struggling with that sort of stuff. And we know that both Kim and, um, and Jimmy got these sort of promotions unwillingly. They didn't want them. Um, but you know, obviously in tragic situations, people still need to step up into positions. So, um, you know, there is that. Uh, but we also did see on the special, uh, appearances and special guests, special appearance by Mia Farrow. So we know that Yokes' mum's going to be in this and special appearance by Mm -hmm. DMX. So a big star (laughs) episode here. We've got DMX, Mia Farrow and Chadwick Boseman in one episode. In tip and and as DMX would say, what? <laughs> this this episode could be a trivia question. Like I feel that like next time I've hosted a couple of trivia nights before. They're fun. I love coming up with trivia questions. This is one that would stump people. Like you could turn around and say, in which TV show did DMX, Mia Farrow, and Chadwick Boseman all appear in the same episode? And people are going to come well, out better. and are going to be like, oh, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Like, think about all these, like, big iconic shows where big name actors would be on. And no one's ever going to guess that. Unless, of course, they're listening right now. Which we know they're not because <laughs> no one listens. Hello, everyone that's not listening. <laughs> uh, but that's actually, like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to remember this moment in my life. I always say that. I never do. And I'm going to use this in the future as a trivia question because no one will get it unless you are the most hardened Third Watch fan. Uh, so... And then everybody is going to be like, okay, what's Third Watch? Well, they should have it as a Jeopardy question. Like, uh, you know, this TV show. I'll take... Yeah, I'll take TV shows <laughs> yeah. for 100 or whatever it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll take... Uh... Big names and forgotten TV shows for 800, Alex. I don't, I don't understand. Jeopardy's never really been a big thing in Australia, so I've kind of only ever seen it when I've been in the States. And it's, um, like, I understand how it works, but it's kind of one of those weird ones where, yeah, like, what, you've got to answer it with the question or wherever it is or however that works. So. Yes. Yes, you have to provide the answers in the form of a question. So, so the clue might be Mia Farrell, rapper DMX, and Chadwick Boseman all appeared in the fifth season of this NBC drama. Yeah. 
What is ER? That's probably what they would go with or no. something like that. What is law and order? Yeah, like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But no. yeah, that's a good trivia question. Um, anyway, so we've got... Correct response, what is third watch? Munro and Davis show up having a bit of a chat. This is really, um, you know, sowing some seeds of Munro and Davis as well moving forward. Uh, they're talking about sensors and Spider-Man and Superman and stuff like that. Uh, we've got Sally pim- popping a pimple in the mirror or something. We've got grumpy Bosco coming out of the bathrooms. Um, and we get, uh, this, what does Munro say? Like, I'm on my J-O. Uh, <laughs> Which, yep. <laughs> is that like, I've never heard that phrase before until Third Watch. Like, is that like a common, I don't know, like, is that something that people say in America? I haven't heard too many people say it. Because I, like, they, what is he, it comes up again later on in the episode, doesn't it? And Bosco's kind of like, well, can't you just say job? Like, you're just missing one letter. <laughs> like, it's yeah. strange. Um, yeah. D- d- yeah. D- oh, sorry, I didn't know if you finished. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, Ben, are you on your J-O? Uh, well, I wish this was my J-O. It would be nice to actually get paid for this, but um, might actually mean we record these episodes when I say we're going to do them instead of me always pulling out last minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kids, the pull-out method never works. Uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> Davis has flowers at his locker. There's a book, uh, and he's got his... Now, is it the LSTs or the LSITs? Like, what actually is it? LS, LSAT. LSATs. And what is that, like, the Law Society of America tuition or something? Or No idea. LS- sure, oh, that's got to be something. That's going to annoy me now. Let's quickly Google that. Let's see. LSAT stands for the mm. Law School Admission Council for Prospective Law School Candidates. The LSAT is designed to assess reading, comprehension, logical, and verbal reasoning proficiency. It stands for the Law School Admission Test. There you go. LSAT. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I sort of got some of that right. Uh, So this is from uh, the ADA, Sharon. They've hooked up again, reconnected, and um, she's left him the book for testing purposes, and Sully's pretty excited when she sees this. Uh, Munro and, um, Bosco are driving Emily to school. She says that nothing's normal anymore. Okay. She also says that, uh, she's never seen Bosco with anyone else, which is kind of, uh, weird for her. Um, and then Bosco, what does he say to, uh, Munro? Like, you shouldn't judge people so quickly. And then the way Munro's like, you can't believe you're the one who says that. Um, kind of nice little moment between the two. Yokus yeah. is laying in bed. She asks for help. There's Mia Farrow. Yay. Oh, goody. Grandma. What's, um, Mitchell is her maiden name, isn't it? Yay. Grandma Mitchell. Yes. Um, hey, I can't believe I just remembered that. That was oh, random. Well, she's actually tolerable. Yeah. She, well, we love Mia Farrow. And is this yes. her last appearance? I want to say it is. It's either in this episode or it's or it's goodbye to all that. Possibly. Because she's in that one too. Oh, she is too. No, you're right. It is. It is goodbye to all that is her last appearance. So her penultimate appearance is in this uh, episode. So uh, she a total of four episodes. Mia Farrow and Third Watch. Great. Just such a you know. Just a great little thing there. I love the fact that Mia Farrow was in Third Watch. Um, but Yoke is here asking for help. This is kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, her mum saying that she should eat something. I should say Emily was actually being dropped off at home. I always thought she was getting dropped off at school. And then every time I see this scene, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Emily came home from school pretty quickly. Um, so um, Emily's being dropped off at home and Yoke just isn't uh, eating. So her mum's feeding a soup. Uh, then we get, uh, first kind of setup of this episode where we've got a guy, I'm gonna call him Dreadlocks Guy, I can't even remember if he's got a name or not, but he's, uh, going off at a guy for selling fake CDs on the street, smashing them, um, saying that he's selling CDs a week before their release, um, you know, kind of dates this episode slightly when people actually, uh, cared about CDs, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I do hey, like. I still have mine. Yeah, look, I, 
See, I was an avid CD DVD collector, but before I sort of uh, ventured off and moved states and then moved countries, I did sell all them, which was a bit of a sad experience. But in hindsight, I'm actually kind of glad I did because, like, yeah, I like the look and all that sort of stuff on the shelf. But, I mean, since moving here, uh, I don't even have a... Di- like, I haven't got my PlayStation 4 yet, uh, but I don't even have anything that I can watch DVDs on. I don't have anything that I can listen to CDs on. We want to competition recently where we got a the soundtrack to Bohemian Rhapsody. We didn't have a CD player to play it on until we got a car. So it's kind of like, what's the point? I just downloaded it anyway. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how things change like that because if you had told me yes. five years ago that I would get rid of all my CDs and DVDs, I would have told you, like, get stuff. These are like my life. This is what I collect. Um, but now, um, the only things that I kept were, that's a lie. I actually do have a few in a box back in my dad's in Australia because they're kind of collectible ones that I wouldn't get rid of. But, um, yeah, anyway, but like he's selling these CDs a week before the release. Um, and he mentioned, this is where he mentions, I'm on my J-O. And this is when he says like, what, did you two go to the same spelling school or something like that? Um, and I do love it when he's, when he, uh, Bosco says like, yo, Wu-Tang, get the hell out of here. And the way he replies like, oh, Munchin's got jokes. I love this guy. He's so funny. Yeah. Who, I want to know, what is he? Does he have a name? Do we ever find out his name? I don't think so. Uh, I'm just looking here. Is it, is it not, is it Pierre? It's a bit of a. It's got, well, it is Pierre, because like, looking at the guy who plays him, that is definitely Pierre. His name is Keith Middleton, um, and he actually hasn't been in that many things. Uh, third Watch was only his third appearance, and since Third Watch, he's been in Threat, The Last New Yorker, Stomp Live, Brad Advice, and Tangled the Series. Uh, so, not somebody who's really gone on to... Uh, but he's great. Like I don't get it. This guy's actually really good. He's got a lot of, like, charisma to him, the way he kind of uh, acts in this. So, yeah, it's a bit weird there. He should be more things. Um, so, they kind Maybe of... Maybe he will. They settle this situation. Well, at least we think they uh, settle this situation. Jimmy and Kim, meanwhile, show up on Jimmy's bike. Jimmy obviously got a new bike since his crash last year. We didn't mention that when he was in there. Um, and they sort of talking about how they've got so many reports to do and didn't think it would be like this. And um, then Jimmy kind of mentions that, you know, he doesn't really care too much about this promotion, that if Downtown called right now uh, and took it away, he wouldn't really care. He did it because Downtown called and he would do it. Um, Kim mentions that they've got to try and treat you like a boss. That's the um, the thing here. And Kim also says it's a little bit disappointing to hear Jimmy sort of mention that uh, he doesn't really care too much about it. I will say, Kim's and wearing... And it is. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, it's it's kind of interesting in a way because, um, you know, you, you definitely see Kim's perspective, but it's also at the same time, like, Jimmy's never really been a person, though, where you kind of thought that he was on a career ladder, if you know what I mean. Like, I mean, this season he's matured a lot. We talked about this the other week. He's matured and leveled out a lot, but... I don't know. Did you ever picture Jimmy as a boss? Not really, and especially not in this episode because, I mean, in this episode, let's be real, he is not boss material. No, and like he doesn't... I agree with Billy's assessment Well, there. he does, he does. He steps down from this role, doesn't he, before he leaves, does he? Or does he step down when he leaves? He he steps down as 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 the boss... At the at the five five, mm-hmm. but when he leaves, it's to it's to be a boss at another fire station, and I know and I remember that because because Grace because Grace mentions it when she arrives because she worked before she before Grace Foster gets transferred to the five five, uh, she mentions the station that she worked the the house or station or whatever that she worked at before and. She mentioned she mentions Jimmy, yeah, so apparently he's that. the lieutenant over there. But yeah, but he we never see Grace and Jimmy on screen together though, do we? Because she comes in a lot later no. after he no, leaves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like nice little scene there. We get another fire. Look at this again. So many fire stuff in this episode. Like my goodness, what's going on here? Um, there's a crash. Uh, and then Jimmy and Walsh get into an argument, kind of about dealing with this. I mean, as much as as much as Walsh. I guess has a point to a lot of what he's saying. 
Walsh is a bit of a dick this episode, though, too, isn't he? Like, he kind of just, like, gets out and kind of starts barking orders and just ignores Jimmy's sort of uh, ability, which, again, Jimmy's not being a very good boss, but at the same time, like, Walsh shouldn't be a dick about it the way he is. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. So, they they break out... They break open the door, um, they rescue this guy, but then Jimmy and Walsh get into an argument, and... Um, Jimmy basically tells him that he can go home. When he gets back, he's going to call in a replacement and send him back just because he's not uh, not listening to him. He's got an attitude problem today. Um, so, yeah, not too good for them. Uh, Bosco wants to check up on Yokus again. He thinks that she's coming back. Uh, Munro basically saying, well, maybe she doesn't want to come back. Um, so they kind of get into a bit of an argument. Yokus... Uh, meanwhile, is in therapy. I do love the way we cut to her. And she's like, ow, 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 ow. And the therapist is like, does it hurt? Yeah, she's like, uh, that would explain the screaming. Uh, this, this therapist woman's <laughs> a pain in the ass. Uh, better is a relative term. Uh, like, everything is a relative term. Uh, and they essentially kick her out. Um, and then Yokus's mum talks to this woman and uh, says that she really should be moving on a little bit better. And the patient, uh, the nurse lady essentially says that none of this works if the patient doesn't want it to. So kind of a few seeds here showing that, you know, does Yokus really want it? Again, look, I like the fact that we've still got some Yokus stuff here. It's great that she's not being ignored. She's not being tailored here and kind of just, hey, remember that one that got shot? And then in five episode time, she's going to come back. Like, I appreciate the fact that they're showing it here. But just to be nitpicky, again, this story goes nowhere. Like, what is it? Like, in a week's time, she's just going to bugger off for half this season. So, it's like, it, it, we talked about this when it happened a few weeks ago, but I don't know. Am I just being whingy here, Darvell? Because I just don't see the purpose of this storyline, because it doesn't go anywhere, and it doesn't really lead into anything except for the inevitable storyline that's going to happen between her and Fred. Well, it... It does. I like that it shows that. Um. I it I like that it shows her. I don't know her determination to. Um, ultimately overcome this. Sure. And that it shows the struggles that people who have faced serious injury go through mm-hmm. in order to try to get back to how they were before, for lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good point. That's that's a very valid point, and I think that that definitely is true. Um, so, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, I guess. Um, so, and, and I guess, kind of, if you want to keep Yokus in this, which we do, we love Yokus, um, you know, clearly she's got a storyline, and I guess the argument would be, what would her storyline be? her sitting on a couch watching The Ellen Show or, you know, Rosie, whatever, still big in 2003. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Like Ellen, by, Ellen. Ellen, by that point. Rosie Rosie went off the air in, I think, 01 or 02. Okay. Didn't and realize, Ellen started in 03. Didn't realise Ellen had been around for that long. There you go. Well, interesting. Um, so we've got Sully and Davis in the car doing some uh, LSAT tests and uh, Sully saying... That I bet you I can guess um, this one correct. I do love the way uh, Davis says, like, oh, I have never seen you read anything else besides the cartoons. Um, <laughs> and Sully gets the question right, Davis gets it wrong, and then Sully retorts back. He's like, yeah, there used to be a legal cartoon in the funny pages. Uh, <laughs> which is funny. I'm enjoying this. I wonder stuff if that's this true. Yeah. Uh, we've got our dreadlock guy bashing up another guy this time around, throwing CDs, smashing them about. Uh, Bosco and Munro show up this time around. There's a chase. Uh, I do like this chase. And particularly when they, they basically chase him into Davis and Sully's car. And we get almost this like over the top comedic moment where he smashes into the window. His face is all mushed up against the glass. Yeah. Uh, and I just love the way Bosco's like he sees this about to happen he's like I'll be seeing you my man uh, and then Davis and Bosco give each other this great high five as they get out of the car 
Oh, so funny. And then what does he say? Like when he's getting put into the car, he's like, I don't want to go to jail, dad. Um, and then Sully's like, you should have thought of that before you pissed off that little man over there. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I just, it's great to have some kind of classic, funny third watch stuff happening. Again, this is a point where I've said we don't really get a lot of funny stuff in the first nine or so episodes, but then we just get some good stuff in this episode. So, uh, this just feels very classic third watch to me. It does. It's good. I like it. It really does. Um, after this, we've got Walsh and uh, Jimmy still having a bit of a fight. They're off at each other. And uh, it leads to uh, Jimmy punching Walsh because Walsh turns around and says, at least somebody benefited from Johnson dying. And Jimmy sort of Lieutenant. screams. Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Uh, screaming at him, punching at him. Don't you ever say that to me. Don't you ever say that to me. Great acting here too. Eddie Cibrian and Walsh. Kind of, you know, just the way Jimmy's sort of being dragged back and pulled back at the same time. Um, It's great. Uh, Back at the precinct, ADA, Sharon shows up. Uh, We've got our dreadlock guys like, Mmm, baby girl! (laughs) And uh, I do like the way that kind of she's inviting him out to go out for drinks and whatever. And she says, like, I told them we were reconnecting. And I love the dreadlock guy. He's like, ah, ha, ha. He kind of has his little laugh. Um, but, uh, Davis lies, says he's working a double, doesn't want to go out for drinks, um, and says, like, I'll call you, and then the dreadlock guy, I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, dreads, you have no chance. I love him, he's so good, I love yes. this guy. But then for the first time this episode, we meet the esteemed rapper <sighs> DMX, walks up into the police station what? with a huge crew of people with cameras, um, basically to, uh, to let out our dreadlock friend. And the reason they've got, um, their cameras is because they have a habit of shooting unarmed citizens. Now, once again, this is another one of these moments, isn't it, Darvell, where it still feels very relevant to today that this is still very an issue much so. 15 years after this episode. So, um, uh, in I all mean- fairness, it's kind of a very clever idea isn't it by these guys and something you could see people actually doing yep and in and in that way it sadly doesn't make this episode feel dated i mean you would argue that that's even that's a more is it is it more common now, or is it just documented more, more because now. everybody has a smartphone? Well, I, I, I think it's that. It's more publicized because of smartphones. I also think social media, uh, it stirs up the conversation more, which has its positives and its negatives. Uh, I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish to talk about because it definitely has its positives. Like, we have smartphones, you know, people can film these things that, you know, the police are doing and things like that when they are in the wrong. But then there is also the flip side when maybe the police aren't in the wrong that it still stirs up a conversation and kind of can paint people in different lights. And, like, again, that's a that's a... A debate for another time, but I mean, you know, it's kind of led yeah. to the fact now that police do wear body cameras and things like that to sort of, you know, go and that they can still turn on and off when they want. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, look, it's, it's. I think it's, it's, it's definitely. I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not into. I don't have the statistics. I wouldn't say if it's more, you know, common now or not. I mean, look, in all seriousness, I would assume it would be less common now just because there is that aspect of being watched more now than there was in 2003 and maybe it's just more publicized but again i could be completely wrong i don't know i don't want to purely say that on a a guess um so yeah but i mean we've got this scene where kind of it's a big standoff between dmx i'm not even going to call him his character's name he's dmx (laughs) and they're there just having this big standoff and uh there's a mama joke put in there um he basically uh, being filmed here, mentions that they're going to burn this place down, uh, this guy where he's burning the CDs, or he's, not really he's going to, but he's suggesting, he loosely suggests that one of his fans will burn this place down, which is obviously going to be, you know, a key aspect to what's going to happen in the uh, the second uh, part of this episode. Um, what is it, Davis, when he says, like, the only thing that is dead is good hip-hop? Uh- <laughs> yeah. I love that line. I do kind of like Davis's little, uh, you know, stand-up moment there. But I gotta say, DMX not that bad of an actor. No, 
Yeah, he was. He was also. I've seen one other thing that he's been in, and I know he's been in more than just Third Watch and this. But he was also really good in a movie called Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, I've heard of that. I don't remember that movie now, but when I but I remember I really liked it when I watched it. Well, we've had a few sort of rappers turn actors, haven't we? I mean, we've had Eve. Who else did we have besides? Um, I'm missing a big one, aren't we? There was who do we have last season? Wycliffe. No, no. Uh, oh, some... uh, no. Wy- Wycliffe is next season. Who do we have last uh, season? Tretch from Naughty from Naughty That's by Nature. Right. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. And I kept calling him Trench or whatever it was. Uh, he was decent. Eve had a moments. Wycliffe Jean has his moments. Um, and then obviously, I mean, Gene Simmons isn't a rapper, but, um, I'm sure he's rapped in at least one Kiss song. I don't know. I've listened to all of Kiss's songs, but, um, you know, third watch the show, which gives, uh, singers a chance. Like, you know, this was, this was a big time, I think, in the, uh, early 2000s where singers went into acting a lot. We obviously had, uh, you know, Britney Spears and Crossroads. You know, we had Mariah Carey and Glitter. We had, well, I mean, Jennifer Lopez always was an actor. I think it's unfair to kind of lump her into that category. Um, you know, so I think that's... Who? Jennifer Lopez? You don't know who Jennifer Lopez is? Oh, yes, yes. I know who J-Lo Jennifer is. Jennifer in the block? I just didn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know who J-Lo is. I just didn't hear you say it the first time. I would argue she was more of an actor before she was a singer. Um, I'm pretty sure she was acting before she ever released music. I could be wrong. Um, but then, I mean, you think of other people like Mandy Moore and um, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, sort of all these people who kind of towed that line, didn't they? Whereas... You know, I think I didn't know Jennifer Love Hewitt was a singer. She, oh, she had a, oh, she had one big hit around this time. Um, yeah, definitely, there's definitely one with her in it that she did because I remember she, was her was her song Bare Naked, Bare Naked, and she had. I'm just looking here. She had a song called How Do no I? No idea, deal. but I'd love to hear her sing something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt's kind of like the Grace Foster of people, like. She's just there. <laughs> I mean, she's in nine one one at the moment. Good for her. Um, you know, she's all right. Uh, but yeah, so this is—I I do like this standoff. DMX, good actor, good choice, good casting choice here. I like DMX. Um, so we're gonna get some more of his music in this episode. We have got Jimmy. Meanwhile, feeling a little bit solemn, a bit sorry for himself. Um, you know, Kim confronts him, sort of, where well, you're trying to soul show something, and then she's sort of saying, like, this isn't how you lead, and Kim sort of being questioned is, why is it coming so easy? And then Kim's like, this isn't easy, like, Carlos questions everything, but at the end of the day, I'm the supervisor, you know, they don't have to be happy with it, as long as, you know, they, they basically know who's boss. I've, I've only really been a boss in one of my jobs, and... I never, like, had any issues. Like, I had worked with great people and I kind of never had any times where I had to, like, put my foot down or had anybody sort of going against. Like, I I kind of just went into it with no experience as a boss, just kind of trying to be, like, a boss that I would like, like somebody who I would want to just work with and, you know, who maybe, you know, had to sort of tell you what to do every now and then. But you know what I mean? Like, and this is where, like, I find doing this show, like... I don't ever want to say I'm the boss on this show because I feel like everybody who's involved in the Oz Network, we all have our equal say somehow, but there are times when obviously I have to work things out and kind of, I guess, play a role like that. But I guess I've never... I I don't think I've ever had a comfortableness in being a form of lead. I'd like to be, but I don't know. I just... I don't... I'm not good at dictating and telling people off. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'm not good at confrontations, so that's probably why I'm not good at it. Yeah, I'm, I don't particularly like confrontations either, although I know that there are times when it is necessary. I've never been a, I've never been a boss myself. Yeah. But, uh, sometimes I, sometimes I, sometimes I wonder what it would like to be one, and then I ask myself, could I do that? Because, I mean, because like I said, I don't like confrontations because, Anytime I have been involved in one, I later discover, oh my god, I went overboard. Yeah, and like I'm very apologetic. I feel like, and you and I have experienced too. this too. Like it's kind of like if there's a situation where all of a sudden I've had to say something to you, like I'm all of a sudden then like an hour later, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to. Like I'm just that's just me. Like I've always been yeah, a person like- in a fight with like in a with friends or family or relationships where like even if I know I am not in the wrong, like and there are times when you know you're not in the wrong. I still feel that I'm the one who always ends up apologizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like example, uh, 
conversation we had a couple weeks ago. This was off air, but um, you said something to me about uh, working on working on interrupting you when we're when we're recording because of the delay or something like that. And then later you messaged me again. You were like, you were like, you were like, I'm sorry, I didn't. I hope I didn't upset you. And I was like, no, you needed to say that. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not something that I've ever been super comfortable. I mean, there have definitely been times when, and this is nothing to do with you, but like in terms of when you get angry and you're kind of like, okay, you you just kind of snap. Um, but yeah, but I think kind of it's, it's a good point here that Kim sort of raises with everything here about being a boss and everything like they don't have to be happy with it at the end of the day, you know, you're the boss. Um, but I guess what's leading up to this moment though is for the first time since what season two, I want to say Kim and Jimmy kiss. Um, and is it season two? Do we have it in season three? No, it's got to be season two. Um, and yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's a moment. The thing that I appreciate about what they do with these two this season is that it's done in such a way that I think you, you realize you didn't want it to happen, but then it happens and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm satisfied with that because it's kind of sewed a few scenes early in those first three, three episodes, but then this just kind of happens and it's good. Like it's, you know, I, I like it. I've, I've said this a lot this season. I, I just really like that they get these two back together. And it's great. So, um, it's just this nice little moment, Kim and Jimmy kissing. And who would have thought this, you know, season one, season two, that we'd be sitting here appreciating this and kind of, you know, not having it shoved down our throat as much as we maybe did early on. Right. And I mean, it's, they are no longer the kids who had a kid. Yeah. They've, they've, and yeah, you discussed that a few episodes, didn't you? That kind of like they've definitely grown up with this, with you know everything that we're seeing here. Yep. And it's just, it's just a nice little way of kind of coming full circle with these characters. So, um, I appreciate it. I like it, and it's good that they're kissing. And uh, spoiler alert: there's going to be sort of more moving forward with these two, um, happening, I guess. Uh, so yeah, are you, are you happy to see these two getting back together? I am actually, and I was one of the people who, you know, first couple seasons, I was like, no, I, I do not want to see these people. I do not want to see these two together. Both of them are incredibly immature, and and worst of all, I mean, these two immature two. characters, yeah, have a have a kid together. It's just such a mess. But looking at it now, you know, in this season, I'm like, you know what? Let the hey, hey, give it another shot, Kim and Jimmy. Give it another shot because you two, you two have really grown up. And that's called character development, people out there. For those yes. wondering about how this works, that's how it works. Character development, great character development here, very much so. We've got Yokus um, sitting at a table. We hear uh, Emily talking with Yokus's mum. Charlie's at camp. Uh, and then basically Emily's saying that she misses Charlie and Fred's kind of like, hey, look at that, you know, Emily's actually missing Charlie. Now, there is a, there's actually a continuity error here that I actually never picked up on until this time around. Yokus's mom, uh, face mom says that you used to miss your uncle Ronnie all the time when he, when he went to college. Now, I look back at this because I'm thinking like, we saw Yokus's brother back in History of the World in season one. And I'm thinking, he was not called yes. Ronnie. He's not called Ronnie. He's called Stanley, right? So I've gone back and looked at that up. Now, at first I'm thinking like, okay, well, maybe she's got another brother that she's never been mentioned. Fair enough. But later in this episode, it is said that she only has the one brother. So here is another case of Linda Deborah that we're going to get next season with Doc's ex-wife. Oh, sorry, you know, widowed wife. Um, they forget the name of a character. They've clearly forgotten the name of Yokus's brother and changed it to Ronnie, unless Ronnie is a weird nickname for Stanley. Uh, so no, I don't know if you ever picked up on that, but this is the first time I've ever picked up on that. I haven't watched History of the World in a while, so no, I, w- I, would, I wouldn't have picked up on that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's... Look... Maybe we're being overly nitpicky on that. I don't know. But, like, to me, if I am a writer on a TV show and you have got, like, a cast of however many you've got and you've got these elements where at certain points you're introducing their family members, 
to me, there is a little black book or there's a whiteboard or there's something where you have the basics. You have Faith Yocus, Nee Mitchell, Married Fred this year, kids' names, Emily and Charlie, mother's name, you know, dad's name, brother's name. To me, I feel like there's just your basic profile dot points that you have on these characters. So then when you've got an episode where you're going to mention the brother... They're like, hang on a minute, back in season one we had a brother, quickly, let's just go through the notes, his name was Stanley, okay, done. Like, that to me is a logical thing that you would do. You wouldn't, like, if this was a novel series, like if this was Harry Potter, and one of the family members of Hermione or something like that was mentioned in book one, and yet in book seven you've changed a name, like, that's not going to happen. J.K. Rowling nope. is going to have them written down so she knows this. You've established a world. And I just feel like that's a basic thing. And like, I'll go off about this more next season in the season, fin- in the finale, the whole show, when they completely forget Doc's wife's name. Um, but like, it's a blink and you miss it moment here, but I don't know, like, it's just, it, this shouldn't happen, Darbell. No. <laughs> who's writing, for, who's writing this? That's well, what I have to wonder. This episode, who is writing? Who did we say wrote this episode? Um, this episode was written by, uh, Charles Murray. So there you go. That's who wrote this episode. Hmm. Um, I wonder is- if he wrote History of the World. Uh, I can tell you that he did not. That was written by John Romano. So, no. Completely different people. I think the thing that I found interesting in that Ed Allen Bonero interview that I've mentioned a few times now is, is that he said that, um, he looks over every script. Even if he doesn't write it, he still looks over every script. So, Ed, come on now. <laughs> this is the point where you pull him up and go, hang on a minute. Face brother. We mentioned him before. We've seen him before. Uh, <laughs> anyway. We're being very nitpicky, but we have to be. You have to be. Um, I think yes, this, is, you do. This, this is one of those things where it kind of like we've maybe gotten some criticism from some people listening to this show who think that we should be loving everything, that no matter what happens, we should be loving and respecting the writers and everything. And I'm, I'm not disrespecting the people who are, <clears throat> excuse me, involved in this show or writing the show. I'm not a TV writer. We went over this last week. I'm not a lot of things. I'm not a TV writer, and it's all right for me to sit here a Monday morning quarterback this and say this all the time. But I think when you've got a glaring issue here with something like this, as a podcast who are meant to be analysing episodes and putting in our 10 cents worth, 2 cents worth, whatever, that we should be here to to criticise little things at that. And that's my opinion on that. Anyway, you might not agree with my opinion, and that's fair enough. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've told you this, but actually, um, since since becoming a part of this, you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, it's actually caused me to look at things that I watch now with a more with a more with a more critical approach. Yeah, you know what works, what doesn't work, and stuff like that. So yeah, like like I'm a huge like in addition to this show, obviously, I'm a huge fan right now of the show. This is us. Mm-hmm. I love that show, but that doesn't mean I'm going to. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit back and say, "Oh, every episode was every episode was just absolutely wonderful." The majority of them have been so far, but there is at least one that I can think of off the top of my head that just didn't measure up as well as the others. Yeah, and like that's life. Like nothing can be perfect. You know, uh, I mean, I can maybe argue that Natalie Portman's pretty perfect, but um, <laughs> everything you love on the planet, there are definitely things you can like. Even your partner, your your family, like you never say it out loud, but you still have things that you could go, okay, well, if I had to choose, I don't like why you do this, I don't like how you do this. Like it's it's life, it's human nature. Yeah, and we love Third Watch to bits. It's always going to be my favorite show of all time, but I can still criticize it for certain elements to it but yeah and in my mind in my mind that's what at the risk of ruffling some feathers here that's what a that's what a that's what a and again this is just my opinion that's what a real fan does Mm. you know they they love the show they are they love the show to bits they they praise it but they but they also don't hesitate to call out things in it that they may perceive as weak points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think 
there is definitely the rose tinted glasses effect that you can think everything is perfect. And we all have it. Like we all go mm-hmm. for sports teams or admire athletes or celebrities and that sort of stuff that even when they do the most, you know, like the most terrible things in the world, you're still going to be like, well, but they did this because of this and this. And you need know, sort of, you're always trying to find a way to defend them. But like deep down, I think, you know, like if you're a Kevin Spacey fan, the big, I love Kevin Spacey. I do, but like, I can't deny what he has allegedly done is terrible. So like, yeah, I, but I'm a, Oh, go on. No, no, you go. Oh, I was going to say, and I'm a, and I'm a big fan of the music, uh, of the music of R. Kelly, mm. as you know. Mm-hmm. And yet I am absolutely repulsed at what he has, at what, at what's been documented about him over the years. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, this is just, it's, and we're not trying to compare things, uh, apples and oranges. We, I think people know for the most part what we're trying to say. Anyway, the fact is the matter yeah. that her brother is called Stanley, not Ronnie. There you go. Um, we have a weird moment where Yokus has a weird stare at Emily and her mum as she gets wheeled off and then Emily sort of questions his mum more hurt than, uh, they say and sort of just a little question moment there. Bosco and Munro show up to, uh, the CD factory where kind of they've, uh, gotten this tip about, um, where they're burning all these CDs illegally from uh, earlier on the episode. Um, they have a bit of a fight with each other. Bosco's like, why are you always doing that? Why are you always messing with me? And then Monroe's like, because it's so damn fun. They stare in the window. They see a bunch of computers and blank CDs because this is where the um, the operation is happening. We see a kid running from the building, uh, putting his hands in his head, and then we get our weekly explosion, Darvell. Uh, this is what happens in Kaboom. season five and six. Um, I will say, though, this one isn't necessarily like a hugely over-the-top one. We get a very over-the-top one next week. Um, this one's kind of just... It happens quickly, and it's kind of done, and there. Um, Jimmy, meanwhile, is walking up the stairs in the firehouse, and we hear Walsh talking about him, that he's not a boss, he's a, a hothead, and uh, then they get the call out to this fire, and they walk down the stairs, and kind of Jimmy and Walsh share a bit of a glare at each other. Obviously, he knows that he's been heard, but, um, yep. Uh, then... They're all called out to the fire. Uh, someone come running, running out of the building. They're on fire. There's a lot going on here. And then, I don't, I don't know if you would have caught up on this, but we get Jimmy quest- calling up to a fire captain and sort of being questioned by him and sort of, uh, you know, I guess making sure the scene and everything is okay. This fire captain, again, I don't think I've ever noticed this in this episode too, played by none other than Charles, Charles Hayde, the director of this episode, who will go on to be uh, Mr. What Captain Finney next season. So, yes. um, I mean, look, it's it's one of these things which I think, in a way, like the double casting, we've talked about it before. Obviously, we had Yvonne Jung last episode. She's been double cast and all this sort of stuff. You, you've almost got to forgive this weirdly enough. Here I was just spouting on continuity errors and all this sort of stuff before. Because this is the third episode that Charles Hayde has directed at this point. We've talked a lot about him before, that he's more of a director than an actor. He's directed episodes of Nip Tuck. He was in Nip Tuck. But I, I kind of feel like this is one of those episodes where they've just had, like, they needed a random character. Like, the fire captain here has all of 60 seconds of screen time. So they've just gone, like, oh, Charles, look, you just play it. Like, you're directing this episode, you just play it. And they've probably never had any plans at this point for him to ever be part of the cast. Um, and I think that's kind of similar to what Yvonne Jung talked about when she said of why she was kind of double cast in Third Watch. They brought her back again later on. So um, it is definitely one of these weird ones where we've got an actor who sort of comes back to be sort of a, a more of a major actor character later on. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. random Charles Hayde appearance here uh, in an episode. Yep, and um, I didn't necessarily... And if you're wondering, no, I didn't really hear... I didn't really hear them exchanging any words, Jimmy and whatever the whatever Charles Hayde's fire captain character's name is. Um, I didn't hear them exchanging any words because I mean there was just so there was just so much going on. I was paying more attention to the to the fire in the building and all that. So yeah, well, I mean, it's it is he's just really a minor sort of blinking. He said, "I just I don't know if maybe I have picked up on it before. I've just kind of never really locked it in in the memory, but." Um I just kind of, it, it stood out to me straight away. I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that Charles Hayde? And then I kind of, I quickly looked up an IMDb. I'm like, oh, it is too. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it's kind of, again, as I said, he's directing this episode. There's probably just a convenience factor that he's kind of there. But, yeah. 
this whole fire sort of, um, I guess, gets um, controlled in a in an aspect. They're trying to help people and uh, going through everything, and kind of Jimmy and Walsh and everyone's just it's, it's just a fire aspect. Walsh gets trapped, does he not? Um, in this situation, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, yep, and so does Wafer. So does Wafer. Yeah, we forgot about Wafer. Chadwick, but come on, you're Black Panther, man. Like, use your suit. <laughs> Get yourself out of there. Uh, Munro, Bosco, and Davis are talking about this situation, about how they might be able to get DMX basically on some charges because he sort of made sure that this was going to happen by even a loose association. And the fact that, uh, what, how many people die in this? There's only one or two people uh, die in this. Um they never say, but they never said how many people died, but Sasha does say, and I, I, I love that, I love that, I love that scene, by the way, and I'm assuming we're about at it, so that's what I'm talking about. I love it how, you know, DMX is doing his usual hard, his usual hardcore thing, and, cause I mean, that's just DMX. Um, and then when, and then when Sasha says, if you watch the news, you'd know somebody died, and then there's this, like, two or three seconds of silence and then he's like somebody died yeah like, not like, quite at that like, scene yet I never like okay i but, okay because uh yeah <laughs> she interrupted well, I was, <laughs> but yeah we're not quite at that <laughs> <yeah>. scene yet <laughs> we're getting there Darvel. we're getting there okay we're very yes. very close to that scene i will say there uh but we've just kind of got a few little moments here where they rescue Walsh, they rescue uh, Chadwick Boseman. They're kind of out in there. Uh Davis is going to get the DA to kind of look into the charges a little bit more. Uh there's a brief scene with um Yokus uh and her mum talking about how strong she is. Um and uh this is also where she mentions that you can walk away from the job right now with three quarters of your salary you're going to get more money by being on disability um and that she's disabled on the job and yoke is obviously saying like you know this is typical of you things get tough you just get up and walk away um this is the first like because we kind of had this last season didn't we when she kind of went off at her mum and she kind of you know sauntered off her mum but this is where her mum kind of stands up for herself i guess now which is nice it's a nice little moment they kind of have another argument but i guess sorted out um, and this is that scene where I was mentioning where we find out that she's only got the one brother. So, um, it's not like, you know, she does have mm. an extra brother that we've never heard of. So, yeah, but this is when we get into our scene you're talking about, Darvell. So, I actually, I used to really dislike this scene and think it was, like, really cheesy and crappy, but I actually really like it now because we kind of interchange DMX in the studio rapping with, uh, footage of our dreadlocks guy smashing people on the streets they've filmed bosco so we kind of have these weird sort of close-ups of the nypd of bosco on the streets and for some weird reason though um he's rapping to the film clip playing in the background and i would assume that they film the film clip after they've recorded the song so i don't know that's how dmx works i guess we had a great shot of like dmx i'm uh, oh, sorry of bosco and monroe walking through the uh, corridors walking up to it, Bosco going off, like, were you filming me? You don't film me. <laughs> um, and <laughs> this is where they, um, they, uh, basically ripped down his, uh, recording. And this is where they say that somebody died here in your scene that you were talking about before, Darvell, where obviously he has that reaction of like, somebody died. Uh, and they say like, that, like, I, I never, like, like, I never meant for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. And then again, subtle little acting here from DMX is pretty good. Um, we find out that, you know, they get charged on the, the assaults being premeditated. And, uh, he's saying that, you know, no one, people listen to me because they, I tell the truth. Then the dreadlock guy basically, uh, bows down and gives the truth up and DMX calls him a snitch. Uh, but, you know, I'll see you inside, snitch. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of, Cool little scene, and I, I, I kind of wish DMX was in this more. <laughs> I, I actually like DMX. <laughs> yeah, maybe he should have. Maybe he should have played Donald. No, wait, that wouldn't have worked. I was gonna say maybe he should have played Donald Mann or something. Yeah, maybe, but like I don't know. You could have had an ongoing sort of thing, but I guess kind of we get that moving forward when Donald Mann comes into it with Gene Simmons, and then when we get Wycliffe Sean next season. So, um, yeah. I good on DMX for being in this, and I, I kind of want to listen to where the who, yes. where the who, where the who. That uh, <laughs> I like that song. Um, anyway, Jimmy and crew, 
come back to the house. Jimmy sort of stops everyone and says, uh, you know, good job. They all sort of give him a bit of a smile as they all walk up the stairs and uh, Jimmy and Kim have a bit of a conversation as well. Um, Fred and Emily come home. They've been to a movie. Uh, is this where they come from? No, that's the next episode where they've been to a movie. Um, Yokus says that she wants to go back to the therapist. She's going to pick up the ball a thousand times if it means getting out of the chair. She's uh, determined to get out of the chair. Good on your face. Uh, Jimmy and Walsh, uh, have a conversation. Um, and then Walsh kind of says, like, why, why have you sort of been against me? And, um, Walsh, um, sort of says that, you know, you're not supposed to figure this out. Uh, that, you know, you've got to kind of work towards this. And Jimmy sort of stands up for himself. I'm the lieutenant. If you can't deal with it, you should get a transfer. And then, uh, Walsh, I guess at this point, sort of, you think he's about to walk off here, I think, and kind of storm off again. But he wants to help. Uh, Jimmy with uh, some pages that he went missing before. So, you know, a nice little bit of respect between these two here. Because uh, Walsh eventually becomes a lieutenant, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. I, I knew there was sort of something there with that. Uh, then we've got Davis and Sully. Davis saying that he likes being a cop. Uh, he doesn't know uh, if he wants to go back to law school. And then Sully basically says, I'll take the test with you. We sign up, take the test, and uh, make it a bet, and says that I know I can beat you with it. I'm just going to say, I just like it's just such a pointless storyline. It's fun. Like You feel it's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't go anywhere. And I kind of wish they had have stuck with this and seen who got the most. Like I know we sort of get a bit where they go, they show up to the test, and Sully's there waiting for Davis, and Davis doesn't show up. Like I get that, but... I kind of wanted to see who would win between these two. Like, I don't know. Like, it would have been yeah, an interesting too. little storyline. I feel yeah, like it's... Same here. Yeah, I feel like it's just a bit of a cock tease of a storyline. But anyway, we've got a few of those in this season, I guess. Um, and then at the end, we've got um, Davis having a bit of a moment with Bosco and Munro talking about rap, giving rap a bad name and everything. I do kind of like Bosco. It's like, can you believe that guy? Um, and I do also like Davis, the way he says, like, you know, if anyone knows about rap, it would be Maurice Boscarelli. Um, <laughs> I mean, can you picture Bosco listening to rap? No. I, I don't know what Bosco would listen to. Like, I don't know, like, hardcore punk rock? Um, <laughs> I really don't know. What sort of music does Bosco listen to? I don't think it's ever said. No. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. It's a, it's a weird one, but anyway, um, and we like there's a little scene here where you see like Bosco when he's like pointing up at Davis and obviously saying like, "Can you believe that guy?" That's actually a shot they will use in the uh, opening credits uh, moving forward. Uh, just a random little thing. I like to kind of nitpick though, well, not nitpick, pick out those scenes where you know they use in the opening credits. Just little moments like that. Um, we close out the episode then as uh, Jimmy and Walsh go into uh, Johnson's office. Uh, Walsh apologizes, and then Jimmy, we see a photo of, uh, the lieutenant with everyone and all the fire crew, and Jimmy says, I'll do you proud. And then that's the end of the episode. So, nice little way to end this, uh, pretty decent episode, Darvell. Yep. And I actually thought that that was when Jimmy said, I'm going to do you proud. I mean, obviously that had something to do with Johnson, but I always thought that maybe Jimmy had gone to, ju- had gone to Lou's grave or something and said that. No, they're in, so, they're in his office. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's how they end the episode off. Um, I am going to buy this episode. I'm going to jump in. I think it's a good, solid episode. I feel it uh, does a trick. It packs punches. It does everything it does. And I have this ranked at number 56 out of 98 episodes. Of course, as I will say, every week I've ranked all the way up to uh, the spirit, just in case people are going, we haven't had 98 episodes yet, just to clarify that. What are you going to do with this episode, Darvel? I'm going to buy it as well, because it does... It ha- I I like that it's. I'm, I've always liked the fi- the fire centric, the fire centric episodes. Actually, more than more than like the cop show that it's going to become because I mean we already have enough of those mm. you know even in 03, 04, 05, we had enough of those on the air enough cop shows we didn't have very many other shows related to the other branches of emergency response. So, I mean, it's done very well. And of the cop elements that we do get, they're they're done really well. And guest appearances, DMX especially, solid. 
very solid. Yeah. Definitely agree. Definitely agree with you there. Good acting. Um, good uh, appearance by Chadwick Boseman. And obviously yep. just one minor plot hole that kind of annoys us. But yeah, solid buy for this one, I think. Moving into next week, we're into goodbye to all that. We kind of have the start of a bit of a storyline with Sully and a judge, which, you know, it's it's okay. Um, like, it's, you know, it, it, it no, does. It's- no disrespect to Anne Margaret. No, well, Anne Margaret's love Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret's fantastic, and it's kind of one of these ones that I don't think we've ever really talked a lot about in that sentence when we talk about big name guest stars. Um, but you know, I like Anne Margaret, so there's that. Um, Cruz kind of gets to work a bit with Monroe, which is kind of nice, even though the storyline kind of is a little bit interesting. It's kind of adds a few different elements to some things. Um, and we kind of start this string of a couple of episodes that randomly end on random cliffhangers. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, but uh, we'll talk about that one. Goodbye to all that next week. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to all of our relevant channels, leave us some feedback, leave us some ratings. We've got an email address, theoldsnetwork at hotmail.com, website, theoldsnetwork.net, if you want to hear any of these episodes that you might have missed along the way. And as always, we appreciate any feedback you wish to give us along the way. We like you listening to us, even if you're not really listening to us. My name is Ben, and don't trip on your bling bling yo yo. <laughs> My name is Darvell, and I'll see you on the inside, snitch. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.